Hello and welcome to What a Scream, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Egrain, chats about horror films with a special guest um, and we chat about a particular subject or topic that I have previously randomly chosen and we discuss two films that have to do with that topic. So this week is um, all about summer horror. Now I know, I know, it's the first week of September but It still feels like summer here and in some places in the southern hemisphere they are just about to go into their spring summer seasons so yeah this week is all about summer um my special guest is pod regular miss ruby noir and together we are chatting about um two summer ish horror films so the first one we're going to be talking about is sleepaway camp from 1983 um it is quite a controversial film and we will get into it of course and the second film is i've been watching this film for a really long time and this just felt absolute perfect it is the massive monster of horror the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, directed by Toby Hooper. Um, so yes, enjoy our chat about summer horror. So I would like to welcome back to the podcast, regular contributor, friend of the pod, Miss Ruby Noir. How are you? Oh, friend of the pod. I love it. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, dealing with some summertime sadness and allergies. Oh, oh yeah. I've now, I'm like so happy that the temperature has dropped about 10 degrees in the last week. Right. I actually could not take it. Talk about a horror story. It yes. was awful. I was a human slip and slide. You wouldn't need to like put the hose on the plastic. You just send me down. Yeah. I went and like pulled so all sweaty. the curtains in my house. I was just like, I'm not coming out of this room until it's eight o'clock <laughs> yeah and like the dog is going fucking crazy because we can't let her out because she's like a breed that's prone to heat stroke so she's like let me out and we're like no <laughs> you can't go out there you'll die <laughs> yeah my poor rabbit was just like molting like hell and then he was we had to like get loads of ice blocks for yeah. him and like put them around his little like shed oh your little bum bun yeah, yeah he's so yeah. cute uh, yeah, actually, like the dog was eating better than we were. I was making her like, uh, like the dog friendly like ice, ice lolly things. It's like yeah. you know, like yogurt and blueberries all like blended up and frozen for her. <laughs> Poor, I was making, I was making some for my rabbit as well, but he didn't like them and he just threw them back at me. So I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. See, that's the nice thing about a dog, though. They're not generally picky eaters. <laughs> she literally eat anything. Um, but, which like, kind of it, it lends us nicely onto our theme because we are chatting about horror in the summer and yes. this summer has been particularly horrific it has indeed yes it has been uh personally horrific just through all the sweating and then obviously the world is on fire again which mm-hmm. is never fun um yep. we should probably do something about that yeah <laughs> anyway movies <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> So what do you think about horror set in the summer? Because typically when you think about horror, you think of like dark stormy nights and wind and rain and darkness. Whereas we've got this summer background that is very light, very warm, very sunny. And how do you think that kind of lends itself to the horror genre? 
Well, I mean, I think a lot of like classic slashers tend to be set in the summer because it's when, you know, once you got into the 70s and everyone was like, hey, we can have like naked people on screen again. Um, and they're like, let's get a bunch of 18 year olds and take their tops off and jump into lakes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously you got the Friday the 13th movies going into the 90s. You've got like, I know what you did last summer, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like... It's a different kind of of atmosphere, but it's that kind of like, you know, heady, kind of sweaty. Everyone's like, it's like languid and stuff. So to have a monster or a serial killer like land in on top of it, it kind of can seem even more horrific or, or more alarming. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean... Part of it anyway. Yeah, and like daylight is typically meant to be safe. Yes. In horror films, you know, all the bad stuff happens at night or in the dark. And so when we've got this horror in the daylight, it's like it's attacking us where we should feel the most safest. Yes. And and usually what I, I like in a horror is what you can't see, but in these it's you can generally see all the horror. And uh in the movies I think we're gonna be talking about that was that was done very well. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> not. Uh <Yes. clears throat> I watched yeah. something about zombie beavers once that was set in a lake in the summer. It wasn't very good. Yeah, uh, Piranha is one that comes to mind. Yeah. A lot of the time we see summer kind of movies based on the water. That's another thing. That is, yeah, that's always involved. There's usually a drowning or an attempted drowning or, well, I mean, there's a lot of monster movies or creature features that are set in the summer. So, I mean, obviously like Jaws being the quintessential. Anaconda, does that count? <laughs> I guess it's in a, a hot, sunny climate right yeah uh lake placid that was a favorite of mine when i was a teenager um <laughs> you know all these all those kinds of things are like you know open water or whatever yeah yeah it's not one of the the subgenres of horror that i'm really into water kind of water-based stuff yeah. and i am a water baby so i love water-based stuff even when it makes me terrified to go into the water which i know sounds weird i saw a really good one there a couple of years back crawl i think it was with like a giant it was it wasn't set in the summer it was set in like florida and hurricane season okay um and so they're they're in like a flooded house yeah and there's an like a giant like a giant alligator <laughs> and it's really fun and stupid um, yeah um so let's talking about fun and stupid hey. let's, let's talk about our first film um sleepaway camp i keep going to call it camp sleepaway i know me too but it's sleepaway camp do you want it's to give us a little synopsis please i will give you a little synopsis um I, i'm going to say joe though at the top that a if you haven't seen this major spoilers and it's worth going into it not knowing anything about it because i did and i was entertained <laughs> um and b we are probably going to end up talking about trans issues um and so if you're not in the mood for that or it might trigger you just uh, skip ahead yes um but beyond that great crack <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Sleepaway Camp is the story of Angela and her cousin Richie so Angela is the daughter of uh, a man that we see get killed at the very beginning of the film uh, run over by a boat and her little brother Peter is killed <laughs> don't laugh it's very serious <laughs> so her aunt and her and her, her son Richie off to her aunt and oh, we'll get into that uh, off to uh, Camp Oh, it's uh, Akaway or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sorry. Off to camp for the summer. Uh, so they go down and it's as hideous as you think it would be. Um, you know, teenagers, they're all terrible. 
They're all hideous. Some of them are fully grown adults just bullying these small children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, the lead characters are about, what, 14, I think? 13, 14? Yeah. Um, and some of the others are... Um, I think they're supposed to be around the same age, but they're clearly played by people. How's <laughs> <laughs> that adult woman being so mean to that little girl? Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, they are in camp and murders start happening, or some just maimings as well, uh, in a variety of wild and increasingly entertaining ways, I must say. Um, and it is a bit of a whodunit. Um, well, yep. it's not really, but it tries to make you think it's a bit of a whodunit. <laughs> Uh, and it stars Felissa Rose as Angela, uh, Mike Kellen as uh, Richie. Um, who else? Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Jonathan Tirston is Richie. Um, Christopher Collette is Paul. Mike Kellen is Mel, the um, like sort of manager. Um, Karen Fields is Judy. Catherine Camel is Meg. And a bunch of other um, incredibly stacked young men. Um <laughs> That's one thing I noticed about this film um, from the beginning is it's just like stacked to the ceiling with himbos. Oh, absolutely. I was like, as soon as I saw them, I was just like, you know what? I want to go back to a time where men were men and wore short shorts and And crop tops. tops. And like the the kind of head camp counselor, like his tits are better than mine. I was kind of jealous. <laughs> and then there's like this one guy who's like a proto proto AC Slater from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Um and just yeah, the shortest of shorts, the crappiest yeah. of tops. Yeah. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Right. Bring it back. Um, <laughs> yes. But anyway, so um yeah, there's a very entertaining array of um of uh murders. What were your what was your favorite method of murder in this film? My favorite one was the bees. Bees on a stick, yes, yes. Um, mainly because that is not possible. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Bees would not do that. Um, uh, not to that extent, anyway. Um, yeah, it was just. Yes, it was just so entertaining, and like I, I'm gonna say, I like the way that it wasn't just a clear cut. We're gonna stab you. Oh you yeah, know? it was very like. Creative. That I mean, one of the very first kills is the creepy pedo chef. Yes, gets boiling water all over him um, and dies from that. He um, actually he doesn't die on screen. He just gets hauled off to the hospital. He might have lived a long and painful life. Oh yeah, which I don't hate the idea of. No, see, a lot of the time in this film, I was like, these people kind of deserve it. <laughs> oh so many of them had it fucking coming except for the eight-year-olds that threw sand the yes. ones that got hatcheted yeah. to death they possibly didn't no <laughs> but a lot of the time I was like I'm not mad like I'm really not mad like I know I mean the the one that was apparently the um the shot of her corpse was too grisly to uh they decided it was too grisly to show was Judy who got killed by a combination of suffocation with a pillow and penetration with a hot iron um <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, there is that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, some um, very creative kills, I have to say. I was, I was highly amused throughout. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a moment in this film that I was bored. No, <laughs> it was just so like entertaining. I mean, obviously, it has its problems, but it was so entertaining. I mean, even if we go from the very get go when we see Richie and Angela preparing to go to camp, 
and <sighs> Rich's mother, the doctor. Although, and what is Martha, she a doctor of? Desiree because Gould, the fucking MVP of this entire movie. I, I, I loved her. Like I shouldn't have, but I loved her. Oh, she was making a choice, and I agreed with that choice. Yeah, like the sing-songiness, the Angela Richard. You don't want to miss the bus. Like from the start, I was like, I want to see where this is going. Yeah, I'm fascinated. And then yeah. just the, like talking to herself stuff. The right. we wouldn't want that, would we? No. Like, what the fuck is happening in this woman's head? I want to go in and find out. Right. I I kind of got the impression she thought she was in a, a musical. There was, there was definitely a bit of that, but I think it was also kind of seeding the fact that Aunt Martha was like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs from the beginning. Yes. As like, you know, the big reveal at the end yeah. kind of shows you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like from the start, it was an entertaining film. Um, how did you feel about the central character of Angela? Um, I thought she was very interesting. There are a bunch of different ways that you can read that character um and this is where we're gonna have to talk about the trans representation (laughs) um which I don't really feel hugely qualified to talk on but we're going to talk about it anyway because you kind of have to so uh again spoilers the big reveal at the end is that Angela was actually killed in the boat accident and when Peter went to live with Aunt Martha, she didn't want a little, another little boy. She wanted a little girl. So she forced him to grow up as Angela. So Angela has been going through her entire life being misgendered and treated not as the gender that she identifies with. And thus has become a serial killer, which is bad trans representation. Mm-hmm. But... I think like it's so in like the whole film is so weird is so inherently queer, even though I do not think that was the filmmaker's intention yes. at all. I think they were trying to um capitalize on gay and transgender panic. Mm-hmm. Because it's also revealed that Angela's father and the other man that you see at the very beginning of the film were actually mm-hmm. a couple. They were together, but it's actually like shown in quite a weirdly loving way. And mm-hmm. But I think that the idea was, you know, gay parents forced to, you know, forced to live as their opposite ge- as the other gender, the serial killer. <laughs> I think that's what they were going for. But they ended up making this weirdly progressive thing that, yeah. like, it's not good trans representation, it's not good queer representation, but it is oddly cathartic because everyone who dies is a terrible person. Yeah. So it's like all those bullies, all those people that were mean to you or mean to her, like yeah. as you said, like throughout it, you're like, yeah, they fucking had it coming. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's weirdly kind of, yeah, it's queer catharsis in a weird way. Um, yeah. I know there's probably going to be some people out there who very strongly disagree with that reading. And that is also entirely fair. Yeah. Um, I think Felissa Rose does an incredible job in the role of Angela Mm-hmm. Um, in kind of getting across that sort of deep set discomfort within herself. Um, I, you know, I, I saw it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. At least that Angela was the killer, if not yeah. the other thing. Um, that she was, in fact, biologically a boy. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I've heard a lot of discourse about it. You know, obviously there's... 
the it's bad trans representation as you said it can be quite damaging towards trans people um i've also read people being like well it's not really trans representation because it wasn't their identity you know they it, it wasn't how they chose to portray themselves it was someone else forcing that on them so yeah. they're they're not really trans but obviously it is a representation because yeah. trans people are generally forced to assume a gender that is not their gender yes um, yeah. especially like trans kids as well you know a lot of the time they are forced to be the gender they've been assigned at birth um so it is a representation of trans people um is it problematic yes oh yeah but a lot of time through horror like queer people have always found comfort in horror because you know the the monster is always the outsider and so there's always going to be that connection to you know queer people feeling represented by monsters basically um but i think the handling of this like you said, it probably wasn't intentional at all, but the handling of it is just so clumsy. And like the last shot as well. Oh I mean, my God. Fucking iconic. But at the same time, like that, that is the one scene that I would be like, if you are a trans person, that could possibly genuinely trigger you. Yeah. Um, it is, it's quite a intense scene. So basically they put, uh, they created this like plat, like mask, very cool looking mask. I will not lie. Yeah. Of Felissa uh, Rose's face and put it on a naked man, which yeah. is not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like the reveal. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, iconic. It is iconic and like it is shocking as fuck. But you're just like, oh, this is so like. Imagine this being done today. <laughs> oh my god, it would never. No. I don't think, I don't, well, I don't know, honestly. I think there are some assholes out there who probably would. But, yeah, no, this movie would never be made today. Or if it was going to be made today, it probably would be a complete, like, trans re uh, reworking of it. Um, yes. But, like, you said, the ending would be completely different. It wouldn't be this, like, yeah. shocking revelation, yeah. you know? Yeah. What do you think is the central message or underlying theme of Sleepaway Camp? don't be fucking dicks and then you won't get an arrow to the throat. Um, I d- honestly, I don't know because I think what I got from it was not anything to do with what the filmmakers had intended. Yeah. Like, as I said, the, the, like, the queerness of it, I don't think was intentional at all, but that's what I got a huge amount from it. Like, particularly because yeah. it was made in um, 1983 yeah. And for all of its problematic aspects, there were still some things that I was like, oh, wow, that's actually handled not well because it's a cheap yeah. exploitation film, but like more progressively than they would even years later in the 90s. Stuff like when the horrible pedo man is like talking and it's, it is read as creepy and horrible. It's never yeah. laughed off, which you have seen stuff like that absolutely yeah. happen in more modern um, properties. You know, when the boy who has a crush on her keeps wanting to like kiss her and stuff and yeah. she's like and she says no and yeah like he calls her frigid or whatever but it's not again it's not portrayed as her being in the wrong it's very much portrayed yeah. as him being in the wrong and like yeah. little things like that and I was like oh okay like this is actually yeah you know and it's 
portraying bullying as a horrible, horrible thing that will end up getting you killed, which, you know, probably not. Like, I, I think we're told not to hit back, you know, but, um, yeah. <laughs> kids. but then again, I think that also it does fall into that, like, you know, the great pantheon of like Buffalo Bill and fucking yeah. Warren Bates and all these other uh, trans panic characters who yeah. were monsters. So, you know, it's a difficult one to pin down. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because um, we've always got that argument of, you know, what, intention versus reception. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, it, it's it's a difficult one. And I feel a little bit guilty for liking it so much. But I Me do too. Yeah. Um, but I did go out and read a couple of trans writers' reviews of it, which made me feel yeah. a little bit better. <laughs> now, obviously, trans people are not a monolith. I'm sure there's plenty yeah. of them that are like, fuck this film. Um, you know, it should be burned and that's equally fair, but it was interesting to read some trans people's take on it and how they felt about it. Yeah. Um, so would you recommend Sleepaway Camp to horror fans? It's so good. (laughs) Would I? I would. Yes, I think I would. (laughs) I would for the kills alone. I really enjoyed them being a little bit more different than just, you know, uh, a killer going around with a big machete. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, just before I move on, just talking about the himbos, though, can we talk about the one camp counselor that just leaves a bunch of small children in the middle of the woods alone at night? <laughs> and then he comes back and is like, oh no, they've all been murdered. I wonder why okay. it happened with a murderer on the loose. That was another thing I wanted to point out. So a lot of the time when like big deaths happened, everyone just stared and looked like the very first one with the boat, just stared and looked, like just stared and, and looked. Oh yeah. Just with like, like oh, that no. one girl screaming and then there was a bunch of other ones where everyone was just like staring and looking yeah just staring in shock of bodies yeah like horrific horrific crime scenes yeah I mean, no sense of urgency whatsoever <laughs> well yeah, except for that one girl at the very beginning yeah <laughs> and also shout out to fake mustache cop from the end he was yes. chef's kiss wonderful <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, and also to the main bully, who was clearly a 30-year-old woman playing a <laughs> yeah, 30-year-old true. girl. We did, actually, myself and my partner, when we were watching this, we were like, we have to figure out how old this woman is. Um, and it's actually, you cannot find it online. Her age is not listed. She hasn't really done any other, I don't think she's done anything else. But um, there's been a lot of discussion around it, apparently. <laughs> I mean, and- she full on makes out with like a kid. I know. Well, they they think that she's around. That the most people have surmised that they reckon she's like seventeen, eighteen. Oh, okay. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit older, but not much. Okay, I was going for full on thirty. I was like, she's definitely a thirty year old. I know, but the kid playing Richie, the cousin, was seventeen at the time. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's a baby. I know he was only a baby. Um. But yeah, anyway, that was very entertaining playing guests that like guess who like I mean, because this in this day and age, they would just be adults. They'd yeah. be like 45 year olds. <laughs> like a CW show that's still in high school after eight years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to our next film, which is usually we go for quite camp, easygoing films. Yeah. Like that's our kind of thing. But we're going into a really big one here. Yeah, this is another thing I don't really feel qualified to talk about. (laughs) It's too big. It's too important. It's too much pressure. Too Um, much pressure. So we are going to be 
so like when I came to you, I was like summer, like the hottest, stickiest film I could think of was 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of course. Like that just screams summer, not in a good way. No. But it's it it it's really symbolizes the hell we have gone through recently with the past. <laughs> very sweaty, very grimy. Yes. Ended up on a meat hook, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, as I said, from 1974, directed by Toby Hooper. Um, and he also wrote the screenplay with Kim Henkel stars Marilyn Burns as Sally and Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface and it kind of portrays the story of Sally and her friends and her brother Franklin who um, is in a wheelchair and they are going around the Texas countryside in their little Scooby gang van um, because they're going to investigate whether their granddad's grave has been desecrated because there's been a whole range of gross and creepy grave desecrations. Um, And once they get to their granddad's old farmhouse, they soon learn that it is next door neighbor to a wonderful family of cannibals. Mm -hmm. um, Who's one of, the the members is Leatherface, a chainsaw wielding maniac. Yeah, so, another um, you know, sort of non-binary gender icon. You know, it's yes, got a lot exactly. of costume changes. I um, mean, a big face collection. <laughs> a big face collection, indeed. Um, and a very nice frilly apron at one point, if I recall. No, I'm yes, sorry, that is that yes. is not. I am not suggesting that uh, Leatherface is. <laughs> trans icon but <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean some people might disagree with me and if you do please send me a text <laughs> yeah, do um so what do you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre what is your relationship with this film um so it's one that I came to relatively late in my horror um career but I've always really loved it I haven't actually seen it in years it's not something I revisit a lot okay and I have to say like watching it again I was shocked at how effective it still is mm-hmm. at how good it is because it is such just a like I think uh Roger Ebert said about this film in particular it has it's way better than it has any right to be as an exploitation yeah. film yeah um like some of it still makes me squirm like it's yeah. not scary in the same way yeah um like there's one or two jump scares I think but yeah. um it's not I don't find it scary in the same way that I used to but like unlike when I revisited uh, House of a Thousand Corpses when we did that yeah. and we were I was like oh it just didn't seem as extreme as I yeah. remember it being this still felt extreme for some reason yeah even though obviously we've seen way worse things <laughs> in our yeah. lives these yeah. days you know we've seen martyrs that's you know yeah yeah <laughs> after you see that you know it takes a lot to shock you but it still yeah. felt horrific and it's mm. just so well made it's so well paced there's just like it's very lean yeah. There's like, you know, there's, there's no scraps on them bones. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, all the performances are fantastic. Um, mm. Marilyn Burns in particular, like her fucking sustained horror is yeah. something else to watch. Um, and also just like, you forget if you don't watch it very often, you forget just how influential it's been. Yeah. Like from beginning to end, you can just be like, Oh, that 
ripped that off and this other thing yeah. ripped this bit off and all this well not ripped it off paid homage or was yeah. influenced by whatever but like you know seeing you know w- watching it with much more kind of learned eyes if one will yeah <laughs> that more kind of higher history behind me um yeah. was really fun yeah um I first saw this when I was about 16 and I was over at my boyfriend's house and it, we'd come in from like a night of drinking in a field somewhere and it was on channel four late at night and we popped it on and I swear to god like my heart was in my mouth several times like, Good old channel four <laughs> I know right channel four has a so lot many of us. For. it really does yeah. channel four and Mark Kermode being like yeah. and now we're gonna watch straw dogs and I was like oh what's this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's always like had this special place in my heart and now I always find if I come in drunk I'm like I want to watch Texas Chainsaw (laughs) it's like a weird comfort film it shouldn't be but it is I kind of get that I get that um I mean yeah I I wouldn't say I find it comforting but (laughs) yeah I think I was kind of like in my early 20s when I saw this for the first time which for me was like late in my horror career yeah yeah (laughs) Um, but even like from the opening, the opening, like that, the sound of the camera going off. Yes. Yeah. It's so, so good. fucking freaky. I mean, it's, there's very little music or there's no music in this. It's all sound design and it's all like, like industrial sound, the sound of the camera going off for some reason just gets me every time I'm like, but, and we have this, like, they're talking about the body desecration mm. and the grave desecration and we've got like news headlines just trauma dumping on people like a bridge collapsed and this person died and you're yeah. just like oh my god the radio throughout the entire film like just dropping in bits yeah. of the story which you can very easily miss and it's really interesting yeah. always coming back to it and be like did I did I hear that bit before yeah like sometimes you know sometimes you just forget obviously but sometimes because this is a great great desecration bit but as you say there's like bridges collapsing and murders yeah. and stuff and people got missing yeah. and you're just like yeah. if you get distracted you can miss them but they give so yeah. much sort of texture to the story yeah yeah and then we've got these kids who are in this van and they're all like typical 70s kids you know you got the one hippie kind of you've got one of the girls and she's reading from like an astrological book and she's talking about evil and how I think Saturn's in retrograde and she's like oh this is a really bad time and blah and it's like this complete foreshadowing of what's going to happen and then we've got Franklin talking about the meat industry which their father their grandfather was a part of and he's talking about how they kill animals and he's like they used to slap them over the head with a sledgehammer and you know they thrash about for a bit and you'd have to keep slapping them till they're dead and it's this foreshadowing of the very first death we see yeah and it's, I mean, it's, it basically tells you the whole story. Oh, yeah. While they are in that van, yeah. Open up with, this is what's going to happen to our main characters. Uh, hope you enjoy. After they've gone to, like, the grave, found out their granddad is okay in his grave. <laughs> He's all good. Yeah. But we, we do see a corpse that has been, like, ritualistically uh, hung from a grave. And it's just so, like, it looks like um, something you'd think would be, like, a satanic. I think you'll find that's art. <laughs> It's folk art from Texas. It's folk art. It's found object folk art. <laughs> if the people finding it are, uh, you know, cannibals. <laughs> I think that's the intimation, isn't it? Is that your man, yeah. the younger brother did it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we meet him. And I, I have two minds about the hitchhiker. I'm kind of like, 
obviously he's meant to be really creepy mm-hmm. and he seems the more sadistic of the family but he has you know a very prominent facial mask at mark and he's obviously the typical like american hick you know uneducated yeah. kind of and so i'm kind of like is it's such a stereotype of like the bad person has a bad thing on their face like in yeah. air quotation marks i'm like oh i don't want to be scared of him but i am <laughs> i know but are you scared of it? like i mean yeah in the the stereotype and stuff like that like that is obviously it's problematic in its own way and it is you know uh, led to people being horrible to people with facial disfigurements and stuff like that. And there was, I remember uh, the last Bond movie came out, there was a whole conversation about that because um, Rami Malek was playing the lead villain and his, yeah. he had a facial disfigurement as well. And people were like, for fuck's sake, like we're not, yeah. we're not villains, we're just people. Um, but like, that's not what you're scared of. What yeah. you're scared of is the fact that he's so fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even has like the roadkill purse around his neck. You know, the little like <laughs> made out of a fucking squirrel or something. <laughs> and then like the little kind of um butcher's blade. Not yeah. butcher's blade, barber's blade. Yeah, and, the little like switchblade, yeah. Yeah. And he's just absolutely terrifying. And then it's funny because like him and Franklin are having quite a nice discussion about like <laughs> slaughterhouse kind of yeah. techniques. Um so And then he yes. just gets off to Abby all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean <laughs> what the hell um and then it kind of it paces down it goes down we've got the drama the drama and then it kind of has a bit of a lull it almost lures you into a false sense of like security Mm. um and it's funny that what is it like 45 minutes before we start seeing the kill oh yeah it's quite far in and because it's not a long film either it's i think it's possibly slightly less than an hour and a half or it's an hour and 20 minutes yeah hour and 20 yeah so yeah i mean it's you know you're more than you're just about halfway through before you see anything which is so unusual in horror these days yeah but it doesn't feel boring like getting to that point at all um so then we start with the killings and we are introduced to leatherface as a villain what do you think of leatherface i mean i think with the whole family and leatherface in particular what's scary about them is so with these kinds of 70 exploita- exploitation horrors, you always are worried that there's going to be like a sexual aspect to it or like some kind of weird reason. There's no reason here. They're just crazy. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> these people are just like clinically insane killing people and there's nothing you can do. to st- Like there's no reasoning with them. There's no giving them what they want. What they want is to fucking eat you. And that is terrifying. Yeah. And it's such a like it's such a strange family dynamic. We've got the grandfather, and then we've got the three brothers. Mm. Um, pa, who like you think is the dad, he's not. He's actually a brother. The hitchhiker, Leatherface. The hitchhiker seems to be the real sadistic one. Pa seems a bit more reserved about things. Yeah, he seems more kind of just resigned to it. He's like, yeah. I've got a crazy family, and you know, you know, families. You just yeah. kind of have to put up with yeah. their. You know, everyone's family is a little bit crazy. Yeah. And uh, Leatherface is the one that kind of does all the dirty work. Yeah, he's the the literal butcher. Yeah. Um, like, as a job description, I think, as well yeah. as... Um, and they have this... The house is something else. Yeah. Again, when you talk about the same design, like the, the crunching of those bones and then the chicken yeah. in the background just, like, going, what the fuck is happening? That yeah. poor chicken. 
because <laughs> it's in like such a tiny cage and you're no. like why um so the first character Derek to get killed he's the one that gets hit over the head with a sledgehammer yeah. and does the, the whole death rattle thing um and it's just it's that noise of that door slamming mm. that gets me every time it's it's really visceral mm. and as well I love how um how sudden it all is like there's no lead up there's no like you know tension creating music or anything like that it's like knock 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 is anyone there you know open crazy man gone yeah. like that's it yeah. like it's, it happens in less than a minute yeah it's all like you know very very quick and you're kind of going wait what the fuck just happened yeah um and then barely even like two minutes later we've got the second kill which is the girl i can't remember her name this bit freaks me out even though you don't see it like a lot in the texas chainsaw massacre there's no blood there's no like real gore but this bit creeps me out so she's got like this wonderful bareback top on and you know we see a shot of her going into the house where we just see like her back Mm. and then she falls and you know finds the floor littered with bones freaks out tries to run fucking big ass man himself leatherface picks her up and then puts her on a meat hook. Mm. Oh, it, uh, yeah, every time. I'm like, nah. Like, it creeps me out so much. And the fact that they don't have to show any gore and you're still no. like, Bleh. yeah. The fact that she's hanging there yeah. alive for so long, you're like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Like, and then he's like, I'm just going to stuff her in the freezer after this. Like, yeah. <laughs> so fuck her in the freezer. Yeah. Like, we don't even see the actual death, death. No. Like you see her writhing and screaming on a hook, and then the yeah. next time we see her, she's dead in a freezer. Yeah. Um and then the second guy, I think, does he get get got with a get got? He gets got with an, a sledgehammer again, isn't it? I think so. So this is um uh Sally's boyfriend. Yes. Um, how does he get got? I literally just watched it the other day. I literally watched it today. <laughs> It's probably the only like forgetful moment. I'm I'm pretty sure it's because I remember being like, "Well, they shouldn't have called it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It should be like Texas Sledgehammer Massacre." Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think he does because he goes up to the house as well. Yeah, and then he just gets like blindsided by Leatherface. I'm yes. pretty sure he just gets like whacked in the back of the head. And then poor Franklin. Or Franklin. Or Franklin. And he's a bit of a with dick, his but like, you can kind of understand it. Right? I mean, he's been dragged to this completely non-accessible <laughs> journey. Like, the poor guy. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, he whines so much. And I'm like, well, yeah. Wouldn't you? <laughs> like, I literally, in, like, the Texas. I was going to say Outback. That's Australian. The Texas. Desert. Desert. In it's a like wheelchair. It's like a post-apocalyptic landscape. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, in a fucking wheelchair. Like, I would complain, and I do not have to, ha- like, deal with being in a wheelchair. Yeah. I would be like, get me the fuck out of here. No, thank yeah. you. And there's a scene where they all go upstairs in the in the granddad's house, and he's just downstairs, and he's like, yeah, he get like he gives out a bit. And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, everyone's just fucked off and left him downstairs in this creepy old house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do not blame, I, I do not blame Franklin at all. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe blame him for t- having a good old time with the hitchhiker before he stabbed him. Right. I mean, don't bring out a penknife in front of creepy yeah, hitchhiker. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and Franklin is pretty much the only one that gets 
killed by the chainsaw. Yep. Only one. God love him. (laughs) (laughs) Bless. Um, And then we see Sally kind of taken hostage and like you said there's no sexual element to this you no 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 it would have been really surprising <laughs> but they're really like they really torture her kind of mentally you know they're all like screaming at her over the dinner table oh, yeah. and then oh my god when they're trying to get the granddad to hit her with the hammer it's it's honestly a moment of comedy genius yes so funny <laughs> Like, it really fucking is. Like, you've got this, like, this horrific thing this poor girl is going through. And they're like, yeah, kill her, grandpa, kill her. And he can't even hold the fucking hammer. I think at one point he drops it on her head. <laughs> it's just like, ah, please go away. But my favorite bit is the last sequence where she fucks herself through that window. Oh, yeah. She does that twice. The girl is really yeah. into defenestration. She fucks what? herself out a window twice. And I... I'm so impressed by her commitment to being the last yeah. the final girl because usually in those situations, they're like, oh no, what am I going to do? The stairs yeah. is blocked. She's like, no, fuck it, out the window. Yeah. <laughs> no hesitation, right. nothing, just like fucking gone. Yeah. There could have been anything under those windows. Yeah. Yes. And then like, you know, the truck, the truck going over the hitchhiker is just... <laughs> it's very funny. Love it. I do love it. The only thing I will say about that scene that always bothers me. So this trucker stops for her and she gets in the cab and instead of like closing the doors and just driving off, they get out the other side of the cab and then the trucker just fucking legs it. And like, he's just by. And then she gets on the back of a van. Like, I think that was actually really smart though, because like, because you can kind of see what's happening and she's like, there's no way we're getting this going again in time. So, like, instead of getting trapped in the cab, I'm just going to keep fucking going. I'm like that poor trucker. That poor trucker, yeah, god damn it. He was probably really horribly traumatized. Yeah. But it is just like, I was very, I, I did laugh. I, I laugh every time when yeah. she goes at the other side of the cab because I'm just like, <laughs> yes, bitch, fucking do it. Get all the windows. I do think she's a very effective final girl. She is, yeah. And I love her, like, like in like in demented laugh at the end when she's like finally getting away and just like Leatherface just going crazy in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um so what do you think Texas Chainsaw Massacre was trying to say? I honestly don't know. I think <laughs> no I'm not I'm just, like what is it trying to say I mean no I really don't know I think that it has a lot to do with the times that they were living in like you know the 70s were you know they would just come out of the 60s which was you know a, a time of hope and into the 70s which was like Watergate and the Vietnam War and, and like recession and everything had kind yeah. of gone to shit and I think that influences it a lot yeah. um <clears throat> You know, like the downfall of kind of Americana. It's very much in that sort of wheelhouse. It's like, you know, what used to be like the family on the farmstead Mm -hmm. um, kind of American dream, like really corrupted and perverted. Um, I would imagine there's quite quite a bit of that in there. But (laughs) yeah, and especially the reflection of, you know, the 70s, they really seem to be amping up the kind of into the whole true crime serial killer thing, mm-hmm. um, which obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on Ed Gein. Inspired um, by the real life Leatherface himself. Yes. Um, so what did you think of this kind of Ed Gein in- influence? 
I mean, if you know anything about Abe Gain, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, the same thing is in, we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. like Buffalo Bill um, and Silence of the Lambs. Um, and Psycho, um, Norman Bates. Yeah. I think both of them were had the same influences. I'm very glad that they didn't do it as a true crime piece. Yeah. Like, or based on true... I know they say yeah. at the beginning it's based on true yeah. events. That's not, you know, that's just bullshit. Um... <laughs> Like, because I think that, like, <laughs> you know, I am that uh, that sicko who's uh, Googled the contents of Ed Gaines' house and it's yeah horrible. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. And I always, I like things better when I don't have to feel bad about enjoying them. <laughs> Quite frankly. <laughs> um, even though I love true crime, I actually do consume a lot of true crime content um, between... Yeah. You know, pursuit podcasts and documentaries on Netflix and all sorts. Yeah. Um, but that feels like you know when you have a piece of like schlocky entertainment like this. Yeah. But it's just taken like it's taken a obviously a hit for uh, like a tip from real life as to yeah. the horrific elements, but it's not actually telling the story of real people. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, I like the way it has taken the schlocky mm-hmm. elements and made it into this horror film. Um, that is meant to entertain rather than being like, look at this horrible thing that actually happened. Isn't it yeah. terrible? You're like, oh no. Um, so yeah, I do like, I do like the way it has used that influence. Um, and yeah, I mean, we all love a good. I mean, my favorite thing about Ed Gein, I shouldn't say this, but it's the nipple belt. Oh, and the nipple belt. I do love it. I do love the nipple belt. I'm also um, like, I'm quite fond of the skin lampshade because it just it it lends itself to a certain sense of interior design (laughs) (laughs) i've seen pictures of the inside of his house like he was such a fucking hoarder like (laughs) how he managed to tan anything i've no fucking clue because (laughs) (laughs) but we've still got that sense of horrificness with the many faces of leatherface yes indeed yeah his his uh i think he gets like three costume changes Mm. Um, because he's wearing a very dapper suit at the end, and yeah. then at one point he's wearing like a face that has makeup on it and like a grey, yeah. a different wig, like a grey wig and an yeah. apron. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah, like I'm kind of like, is that meant to represent the mother of the house? Like, is that is that his mother's face? I sh- well, no, because mum was upstairs, isn't she? She's a desiccated mummy. Oh, okay. I I just assumed that was or like grandma or something. Grandma, yeah. Yeah. I, well, there's no parents anywhere, so let's just. <laughs> I don't know what any of these people's actual relationship is, or is supposed to be. Their names don't make sense. The brother is called Pa. Parents yeah. are just absent. Do they eat them? Were the parents like, no, we don't want to be part of a cannibal family? And the grandparents were like, well, we're going to make sure you have kids first and then it's in the <laughs> pot with you. Yes, it's all a very confusing family dynamic, which I'm sure is representative representative of the breakdown of the familial union yes, you know. <laughs> yes absolutely um so i know this is a silly question but would you recommend texas chainsaw massacre of course uh, i think it is a seminal piece of cinema that should be seen yeah. by for horror fans and non-horror fans alike quite frankly like i think it's an incredibly well-made piece of cinema yeah and like you said earlier it's highly inf- i mean just house of a thousand corpses is basically Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, Rob Zombie was like that, but more camp. Yeah, <laughs> that with more 
colored lighting um, yeah. <laughs> more blue gels um yeah it's and yeah well he goes more into the kind of family end of things and it's yeah it's I suppose it's more extreme because he could be more extreme but yeah I mean and a lot of the time like a lot oh brain frog um <laughs> and also I know I know it's had a lot of you know it, it's said to have influenced the slasher genre which yes it absolutely has oh, but it also yeah. feels very folk horror-y you know, we've got the whole rural folk versus city-ish folk or modern folk. We've got this kind of American exploitation, creepy locals kind of. I mean, that's any film that you see nowadays that has that. You're like, that's Tex- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And like even it's it's contemporaries, like you look at stuff like um, the original Hills Have Eyes, mm. um, Deliverance even. Like you know, they were all kind of feeding off each other. I think to a point, like there was there was clearly a, a feeling in the air. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's interesting um, as to how that's you know, especially considering the state of America at the moment. You got to wonder. Yeah. yeah. You know, did a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah. How, how real was this sentiment before it ever became a cliche? Yeah. You know, exactly. city versus country, and yeah, I mean. Did you see the most recent remake? No, it's not really a remake. It's a a continuation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I did not. I heard about it. I heard that influencers go to gentrify somewhere and then yes, get Texas Chainsaw Massacred. Yes, it's yeah, it's all right. It's I mm, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, I actually haven't seen many of the sequels. Um, I think I've seen the second one, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, I, or sequels, yeah. prequels, remakes. Um, like, I, I just think that the original is, is such a perfect piece of, yeah. of cinema. Like, it doesn't need continuation. It doesn't need more explanation. It kind of is very self-contained, and I like it that way. So, I mean, yeah. other people might enjoy the sequels, and that's absolutely fine. I don't want to yuck anyone's yums, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I like, but... Yeah, I would be the same as you. I'm very, I just think it's a really good self-contained movie. Doesn't need explanations because like the family, like you said, are just insane and they just like to eat people. They don't need a backstory. They don't need this, that or done. They're yeah. just perfect. Like, I don't know why, like, I don't want to know why they ended up being cannibals. Yeah. Like no one needs, to, no one needs that story. <laughs> Um, so out of the two films, if you had to pick one for summer horror. That is an impossible choice, my friend. Like you have like one of the most iconic horror films of all time versus the fucking wild ride that is Sleepaway Camp. (laughs) I mean, if you've already seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, I would say Sleepaway Camp because it needs to be seen to be believed. But if you haven't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you listening to this podcast? Go watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I mean, if I was forced to choose, I'd be like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I feel like everyone should see what I saw today. <laughs> Watching Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yes. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and chatting summer even though it's basically the end of summer but you know 
Who cares? Well, it is my fault that uh, we didn't record this earlier, so. That's okay. You know, like, the other hemisphere is going into there. <laughs> yeah. If you're stuff. in Australia yeah. or New Zealand or, yeah. you know, somewhere, like, <laughs> south of the equator, then happy summer to y'all. <laughs> so that was my chat there with Ruby Noir about summer horror and in particular we chatted about sleepaway camp from 1983 and the texas chainsaw massacre from 1974 as usual let me know what you think about this week's episode and what you think about these two films in particular and what summer films are you all about Uh, you can find us on facebook and instagram at what a scream podcast or i'm a lot more active on twitter at what underscore scream um so there has been a bit of a break. I think it's been a two-week break. I don't know. Days have run into one because obviously I was at Fright Fest, um, had an amazing time meeting people that I'd only met like through the computer. So actually putting faces to screen names was amazing. And I felt so welcomed. And of course, I was working with the legend that is Tim Coleman from Moving Pictures Film Club. So don't forget to pop on over to the Moving Pictures website to look at all the reviews of the many wonderful films that were showing at the festival and also um go and have a listen to mine and tim's um coverage on the podcast we did a few mini episodes every day um and there will also be coming up a big roundup episode as well so keep an ear out for that now i have two more episodes coming up before I'm going to take a bit of a break um I am going to concentrate more on the other side of the podcast which is movies murder and mayhem I think (laughs) yeah so I'm gonna take a bit of a break I'm gonna actually concentrate on that for a little bit before I get back into the main podcast towards the end of the year um so I hope everyone is okay and It is all go for spooky season. I'm super excited. Um, So yes, stay horrific and goodbye.